Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And wow, what a what a freaking week. I mean, week four totally, totally lived up to the hype. I mean, it was the, the week of the year so far. We had six games that involved ranked teams losing, a couple of them happening in the state of Texas, no less. What a crazy week. We can't wait to get started, but first... We want to give a quick thank you to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. They're very helpful. And folks, we are coming to you live from Austin, Texas, where just a few short hours ago, the Texas Longhorns had re-announced their introduction back to the world. Texas is back. Okay, I'm just being a little mean. I'll be fair. But when I was walking down to the field, a Texas fan did pull me over and be like, hey, write this down. We're back. We're back for real now. So uh, I'm just trying to follow his instructions. <laughs> but but Texas was very, very impressive. 31-16 to is the final score. Texas beats the number 17 TCU Horned Frogs on their home field. It was a raucous atmosphere. I mean, it was... I haven't been to, uh, to DKR more than maybe five or so times. But it was easily the best crowd that I've heard, uh, you know, in, in my last couple of years of going there. Uh, Texas... They go down early in this game. They go down at the half. But look, after the game, all Tom Herman could talk about is resilience, and that's really what came through. Texas did trail at the half after TCU scored a late touchdown uh, to make it 13-10 to right before the half, really. But Texas really found itself... And again, they've struggled in these situations before. They've struggled in situations where uh, they have to come out there they have to fight back against a team that's, you know, maybe a little bit more experienced than they are, has historically been, you know, in the past couple of years, a little bit better than them. But Sam Ellinger, the starting quarterback at the, at the University of Texas, you know, in some of these close games, he's made mistakes, but really today, he was so poised. Uh, and, and obviously the defense has just taken another step forward, even from the USC game has taken another step forward. Safety Caden Stearns, a pair of interceptions, one that he nearly returns for a touchdown. Uh, it, it's eventually punched into the end zone one play later. I mean, Texas, every time they had to make a play, they made a play. That's what it comes down to in the second half. Every time they made a play, every time they needed to make a play, they made a play. And TCU on the other side you got sort of the whole Sean Robinson experience, right? He throws some incredible, incredible passes. But he throws two interceptions that are really kind of mind-blowing. I, I mean, the one to Brandon Jones was just awful. Just absolutely awful. He just did not see Brandon Jones there. Robinson throws a big interception. It's eventually converted into a touchdown. Um, he Robinson also has another fumble. And, and that's a big part of the story of this game is just... The amount of times that they turned over the ball is unacceptable for TCU. You know, I mean, Texas, credit to them. They did force a couple of those. You know, Caden Stearns closed out on the Cavante Turpin trick play and managed to pull off an interception. That was a great play by Caden Stearns. But again, the fumble, that's an unforced error by TCU. Um, the interception to, to Brandon Jones, that's an unforced error. You know, Brandon Jones made a great play coming down with it. But I'll tell you what... It, it wasn't really that outstanding a play. It was more that it was more that Sean Robinson just lost track of the defenders of where he's supposed to be. 
Um, but credit to Texas, they capitalized. They took it and ran with it. And Texas, my question to them coming to this game was, I didn't know whether they'd be able to run the ball consistently. And the reality is, you know, at the end of the day, the answer was no, not really. I mean, they averaged 2.5 yards per carry. Granted, 11 of those carries were by quarterback Sam Ellinger, and that does take into account sacks. But even without it, they were only at three and a handful of yards uh, per carry. You know, uh, Keontae Ingram did look pretty good, eight carries, 38 yards. They pulled him out in the first half for a little bit because of concerns about a lower body injury. Trey Watson had a pretty good game for them too, 58 yards and a touchdown. But again, I mean, TCU's defense did do a pretty good job of shutting them down. But Sam Ellinger, Sam Ellinger had some great throws down the field. He finishes 22 of 32 for 255 yards, two touchdowns. Um, a couple of huge, huge plays. A fantastic touchdown throw to Lil Jordan Humphrey. Adds another one to Colin Johnson. Johnson, another a great day. I mean, the sort of day that you expect from him at this point. Seven catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. But again, I mean, this was just a total team performance by the Texas Longhorns, especially once the second half started. Uh, because TCU managed to pull off a narrow lead at the half even though Texas had generally outplayed them through the first half. But in the second half, Texas pulls away. TCU can't really get anything going. They only scored three points in the entire second half to Texas 21. Um, Texas was a better football team. And granted, there's a lot of caveats on a home field. It's TCU coming off of an emotional loss. But TCU looked a whole lot worse than Texas did most of the day. And even though they were leading at the half, Texas was clearly the better team. Uh, through that even that first bit of the game very impressive win for Texas and now all of a sudden man <laughs> we were talking a few weeks ago you know if, if they lose to TCU if they start the season one and two it would be very easy for them to start snowballing right because you have this game against a ranked opponent the number 17 team in the country uh, next week you travel to Manhattan Texas won there once since Kansas State joined the big 12 the week after that you have Oklahoma it wouldn't have been inconceivable for the Longhorns to start 1-5 on the season. Um, but now, all of a sudden, you're going the complete opposite direction. Texas 3-1, and 1-0 in Big 12 play, a couple plays away from Maryland, uh, you know, from maybe getting some top 10 AP Top 25 votes. Um, and Kansas State does not look very special right now. I mean, Kansas State's... They struggle a lot in a loss to West Virginia. Uh, Bill Snyder kind of calls out his offense saying, you know, I can't really coach a team that can't gain six yards or six inches, excuse me. So Texas has a great chance to go and pick up a rare win on the road in Manhattan, Kansas next week. And then it's the Red River rivalry or shootout or showdown or whatever the heck we're calling it these days. But, you know, at the Cotton Bowl is the point. Uh, Texas versus Oklahoma, one of the biggest games of the season still, and and one that could have even higher stakes. And, and look, Oklahoma did not look very impressive this week against Army. I mean, they had to go to overtime to beat Army 28-21. And, and granted, Army runs that option. Uh, Oklahoma's struggled pretty consistently with uh, with staying sort of true and, and staying to their assignments on defense. Um, and that really, really reared its head. And that means that Texas has an opportunity. You know, Texas has a real opportunity to make something happen against Oklahoma. And, and all of a sudden, you know, we were talking about it maybe being a 1-5 start. So, well, it could be a 5-1 and one start pretty quickly, too. I mean, look, Texas showed something these last two weeks. And 
is Texas as good as they looked against TCU and against USC? You know, probably not quite that good, but I think they do have that ability. And if you can put forward some of that ability against Oklahoma, definitely if you can put forward that ability against Kansas State, if you can stay disciplined and and handle your business, there's no reason why this team couldn't start 5-1. and one. Now, we'll have to wait and see next week. I mean, again, I think it'll be a great indicator because Kansas State is a classic letdown spot. Uh, again, you play two ranked opponents and then you travel to go play Oklahoma the week after. I mean, Kansas State is a real trap game. So if they take care of business next week against Kansas State, I think that says a lot of good things about where this Texas season could be headed. Anyway, we're going to move on out north of the border, Stillwater, Oklahoma, to a place where Texas Tech had not won since 2001. The last time that Texas Tech won in Stillwater, their quarterback was a guy, oh God, what's, what's the guy's name? Oh yeah, it's Cliff Kingsbury. 2001. It's been 17 years. But Texas Tech takes care of business. They go on the road and win 41-17 to against the number 15 Oklahoma State Cowboys in Stillwater on their home field. Just a such an impressive performance by Texas Tech. It was pretty obvious how much they missed Deshaun Johnson. Uh, you know, the way that their defense looked with safety Deshaun Johnson back there, it was completely different. It was night and day. Because last week, again, they allowed 49 points to, to the University of Houston. And Houston's got a fantastic offense. I mean, they, they can move the ball, no problem. But what Oklahoma State is able to do, I mean, again, they're a special offense. Mike Gundy's one of the best coaches in America. And Oklahoma State is one of the best programs and most consistent programs that there is in America. But Texas Tech was able to go in there, hold Taylor Cornelius under 50% passing, only 258 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Justice Hill got his 12 carries, 111 yards, but nobody else really did. <laughs> you know, they, they held them to zero second-half points. And, and actually, they held them to zero points for the last 40 minutes of the ball game. That's incredibly impressive. And obviously, we have to talk about this offense. I mean, look, Alan Bowman's kind of the, the face of this, the, the true freshman quarterback from Grapevine, Texas. 35 for 46 for 397 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But this game was about the running game. I mean, they were very, very impressive. Running backs to Marcus Felton, to Roderick Thompson, and Tazan Henry, they each have at least 10 carries. They each average at least four and a half yards a carry they each post at least 65 rushing yards very very impressive performance 224 rushing yards as a team three touchdowns two of them by Demarcus Felton and Felton actually averaged 10 yards per carry it was really impressive to see at the end of the game because I mean Alan Bowman didn't really need to throw the ball to ice this game they just kept handing it off to the running backs and it was just first down after first down after first down (laughs) I mean Look, whatever you want to say about Texas Tech, I think that we assume that if they were good, it's because they'd figure out their passing game. I don't think that we ever thought that it would be because their running game just came alive. And, and think about it, too. Think about those names that I just named, right? Felton, Thompson, and Henry. DeLeon Ward is the starting running back on this team, and they basically held him out this week. Trey King was supposed to be the co-running back on this team. He hasn't really played as yet. So you have three guys who weren't even supposed to be the go-to guys, they come in here already, and they just absolutely gash Oklahoma State, which is a defense that has been pretty impressive so far. Uh, 
coming into this game, they led the nation in sacks, and, and I actually don't have the sack numbers in front of me for this week, but uh, Texas Tech was able to protect them very, very well, um, and, and able to protect Bowman, keep him from making too many mistakes. Again, he had two interceptions. They were pretty early in the game. They didn't necessarily swing the game, and, and that's all you can ask for from a freshman quarterback. Again, there are so many good players who go into Stillwater and can't pull off a victory. You know, I mean, I'll tell you what, again, I was a student at the time that Baylor goes into Stillwater in 2013, lose 49 to 17, but Alan Bowman leads Texas Tech into Stillwater, wins 41 to 17. I mean, it was an impressive performance, um, you know, and, and look, Bowman's got to be the guy. I mean, I think that we've all kind of realized by this point that that's the way that it's going to go, but McLean Carter can't be your quarterback when he comes back. I mean, Bowman's been far too impressive. Nearly 400 yards on the road, leading Texas Tech to a win over Oklahoma State. And look, the other thing too, Texas Tech had not beaten Oklahoma State since 2008. And I I don't think I need to remind any Texas Tech fans what team that 2008 team was. They hadn't beaten Oklahoma State since that season. Year three under Mike Gundy. Uh, They go on the road and they beat them for the first time since then. So Texas Tech... When you look at this, right, I think that what's most impressive to me is just how complete their offense is right now, because Bowman is a stud. I mean, it's really it's really kind of crazy watching Texas Tech play after watching, you know, whoever else play, Texas, I mean, Texas TCU, for example, because Texas Tech just looks like they're playing on such a bigger field than everybody else because of the way that they spread teams out, and Bowman is that guy who can make teams pay. You know, he doesn't have a tremendously strong arm, but he is so accurate when he gets going, and he's such a good decision maker for a true freshman. I mean, again, Bowman's got to be the guy heading forward. Again, huge win for Texas Tech. I mean, I thought that they were going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, but I mean, let's just take a quick glance at the schedule. Look, since since they're lost to Ole Miss in week one of the season, and Bowman looked pretty good in the second half of that, they they killed Lamar. They beat Houston, scored 63 points against them, went on the road, beat number 15, Oklahoma State. Now, next week, they host number 12, West Virginia, and chances are they'll probably lose that game. And then they go on the road to TCU, chances are they'll probably lose that game. But then it's versus Kansas at Iowa State, a tough game against Oklahoma, but then at home against Texas at Kansas State and against Baylor in Arlington. So all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know. Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas feel like pretty likely wins, right? So that's that's seven wins right there. And you have to imagine that there's a good chance that they can pick up at least one more. So I don't think that anybody, I, well, at least me, I don't think that anybody really thought that, that Tech Tech would be sitting here with an opportunity to really make some noise in the Big 12 race. But hey, I mean, you can never count out Cliff Kingsbury. And, and look, again, if... If that defense can really get going in the way that they showed against Oklahoma State, again, holding them to zero second-half points, again, I mean, who knows? The sky is the limit for this Texas Tech team. I'm, I'm really excited to go out to, to Lubbock next week and watch them play against, uh, against West Virginia because I really do think this is going to be a great test for them. Now, from a game with some crazy passing to a game involving Navy... SMU 31, Navy 30, in overtime as well. I I think that it's important to mention that. What a weird football game. (laughs) So SMU, most of the day, does look like the better football team. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a shock that they won the game, but they 
they kind of blow it and then come back and do it, right? Because, so SMU's defense forces a huge, huge, huge fumble within the five-yard line for uh, for Navy in at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So this is a critical time in the ballgame. So SMU gets it. They eventually get into the end zone. It takes them way too dang long. But they do get into the end zone. They have a chance to take a 24-14 lead, make it a two-score ball game. Their extra point is blocked. And Navy returns it all the way for a two-point conversion. And then all of a sudden, instead of being 24-14, the game is 23-16. to And I don't need to tell you this, but that came back to bite SMU in the butt. Navy does drive the length of the field, makes it 23-23, only a couple minutes left in the game. It eventually does go to overtime. And important to note, SMU chose to start true freshman quarterback William Brown in this game against Navy because Ben Hicks had been absolutely terrible to start the year. And Hicks had started, I want to say, 27 straight games uh, heading into this week's game against Navy. But Sonny Dykes decides to go a different direction, and Brown plays fine. 21 of 29, 150 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He does a good job of not turning over the football, holding on to it. They didn't use his designed run game as much as I hoped they would, uh, but he was fine. He's not the reason that they struggled. But then some weirdness happens. So Sonny Dykes decides at the end of regulation, yeah, huh? Brown, they, they scored zero points in the or excuse me I think they scored that one touchdown in the second half right that was their only uh offensive touchdown in the second half and again the defense set that up by dropping it in inside of the five yard line well Dykes decides that Brown's not the guy (laughs) that he's not the guy he decides this at the end of regulation he tells Ben Hicks get warmed up (laughs) so Ben Hicks gets warmed up Comes into the game, completes three of three passes for 16 yards and a touchdown, and then converts on the two-point conversion to give SMU their first win of the season. So they moved to one and three on the year, one and zero in conference play, and I don't really know what this means because, again, you think that Hicks has been given every every opportunity to play in the game, but Dykes decided, you know, uh, that he wanted Hicks with the ball in his hands in, in crunch time. And look, Hicks delivered. I mean, Hicks, again, coming into this game, had completed only about 47% of his passes. Completes all three for 16 yards. A huge, huge touchdown at the end of the game, I believe, to James Prochet um, to give them a chance to win. And then completes a two-point conversion, too. So Hicks comes up big, but I I don't know what you take away from this game if you're Sonny Dykes. I don't know whether you say that, well, Brown did what you hoped, didn't commit mistakes, didn't make mistakes. And look, this is the first time that SMU has beaten Navy in many, many years. I want to say that it's since 1998. I think they had lost nine straight games or something like that. Um, So this is a great win for SMU, even if Navy's not very good, because SMU hasn't been able to beat even not very good Navy before. I don't know where you sit now if you're you're SMU. I don't know what you decide to do under center. Uh, That's questions for Sonny Dykes, and I figure, you know, Next week against Houston Baptist, I assume that they're going to play both quarterbacks pretty extensively, and and maybe they'll make a decision from there. But SMU picks up a a big win. They really needed this win. They start 1-0 in AAC conference play. What was supposed to be the game of the day uh, didn't quite go like it. Texas A&M, number 22 Texas A&M, lose 45-23 to the number one Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. 
Uh, A&M showed some signs early, but <laughs> Alabama's just a killing machine this year, man. I, what do you even do, right? Because early in the second quarter, um, Texas A&M kicker Seth Small, Daniel LeCamera's been out for a little bit, Seth Small comes into the game. He nails a 52-yard field goal, cuts the lead to 14-10, to um, and then Alabama just goes off. To end the second quarter, they go on a 21-3 to run to take a 31-13 to lead at the half, and, and that was kind of all she wrote. <laughs> that, that was pretty much the end of it. Uh, Kellen Mond did have a pretty good game. Um, he only completed 16 of 33 passes for 196 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions. But he did some really, really nice things in the quarterback run game. 18 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he added a very different element to that offense, and it's something that they desperately, desperately needed. Um, so Mond, I mean, again, I, I'm still pretty high on Mond. I still think that his performance was perfectly fine. Alabama, again, like we mentioned, just a total soulless killing machine. Tua Tagovailoa, their starting quarterback, 22 of 30 for 387 yards, four touchdowns, and once again, is pulled out before the fourth quarter. So, you know, I will give myself some credit, though. I want to say that I picked this game to be 49 to 24, and it was 45 to 23, so not too bad on my part, I think. So, now, luckily, after playing the number one and number two teams in the country over the course of three weeks... Texas A&M has a little bit of a reprieve. They play Arkansas, who's very bad right now. They play Kentucky. They're at South Carolina. They're against Mississippi State, who struggled. And then you have sort of a tough end at Auburn versus Ole Miss. A reprieve against UAB and then against LSU at home. So there's a time. There's some time to build some momentum and build some confidence now. So, you know, again... We knew that Texas A&M was going to go 2-2 two and two through this stretch. There's nothing wrong with going 2-2 two and two against Bama and against Clemson. So I think we're going to learn a lot more about what A&M can be next week and over the next three weeks as they prepare to face against teams that they're, you know, let's just say more inclined to be able to beat, you know, teams that they should beat right now. But, you know, nothing to worry about if you're, if you're Texas A&M, but tough, tough loss on the road against Alabama. Baylor 26, Kansas 7. This game was weird because Baylor was never, there was never a doubt. I mean, Baylor took a 23-0 lead at the half. Charlie Brewer had a fantastic first half. Uh, He was 11 of 14 uh, for over 150 yards, three touchdowns in the first half alone. But then Baylor's offense kind of contracted. They just kind of coasted for the rest of the game. He finishes 19 of 27 for 221 yards and three touchdowns. But the one thing I'll say, Baylor's quarterback competition does seem to be over. McClendon only came in at the end of the game, uh, only through two passes, although one was a 36-yard bomb to, to Jalen Hurd. And, again, I mean, it's, it's a game against Kansas, and and look, the good news is Baylor did make Kansas look like Kansas again. Um, Kansas's rushing game was really the story through the first couple of weeks of the season, um, and Pico Williams did get away. He did have a 72-yard uh, run. It was short of a touchdown, but it did set up Kansas's lone score of the day uh, but other than that I mean he was only 13 carries for 17 yards other than that one big time run and Kansas only averaged about 4.4 yards per carry they did cycle through three separate quarterbacks they got Peyton Bender Carter Stanley and Miles Kendrick some time so Baylor took care of business their defensive line played really well 
four sacks on the day, nine tackles for loss. James Lynch is is, is the guy on the defensive line. Other guys kind of need to step up around him, but but Lynch has been tremendous for them offensively. Jamichael Hasty was suspended for the first half, but he finishes with five carries for 60 yards, including a 38-yard breakaway. And, and again, the offense just looks smoother when Brewer is going um, and when he's able to build some rhythm. They need to be a little bit more aggressive in the second half, but again, Baylor's 3-1. They've tripled their win total from last season. Now the real work starts. They go on the road to Oklahoma, then they play Kansas State in the next two weeks. So we'll see whether they can keep up some strong performance. But but again, I mean, the, the Baylor team that played on Saturday against Duke, or against Kansas, should have been the one that played the last Saturday against Duke. So um, again, it seems like Brewer will be the guy heading forward, but at the same time, we kind of thought that before too, and, and that rule has pulled the rug out from under us before. North Texas goes on the road, beat Liberty 47-7. to The, the Mean Green kind of actually got off to a lackadaisical start to this game. Um, they score 14 points early, but then sort of start coasting through, through the second quarter. They, they really were in danger of only being up by 7 points at the half. And then there was a, a weather delay too, which didn't help. But luckily, North Texas gets it going in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. They scored 20 points in the fourth quarter alone. Um, in a game that, again, was never really, really in doubt. Mason Fine, 16 of 27 for 185 yards, two touchdowns. Not not quite up to his standard, I mean. But, you know, again, North Texas pulled off an easy win. They didn't want to, to put him in harm's way too, too much. The rushing game was impressive for North Texas, and, and Liberty's not very good against the run, and, and North Texas was able to exp- uh, expose that. As a team, North Texas had 47 carries for 346 yards and five touchdowns. So, again, North Texas, they've played four games this season, and they've absolutely dominated everybody that they've played. Again, week one of the season, 46-23, in a game that wasn't that close. Against Incarnate Word, 58-16. Against Arkansas, 44-17. You know, our managing editor, Greg Tepper, said that this game against Liberty on the road, that was a, that was a potential trap game. And through the first half, it sure looked like it. I think that actually, funnily enough, the weather delay helped them maybe get on the same page, be, be all right, and they come out, they win 47-7. to And again, I mean, that's that's all you can ask for. Now they prepare to host Louisiana Tech in a pretty tough home game next week. Uh, Louisiana Tech is no slouch. They're obviously one of the standard bearers of Conference USA. Um, UNT's going to have to be prepared for this one. Um, you know, when you look at the rest of their schedule, again, home against Louisiana Tech, Home against FAU, those are really the two games that you look at and you're like, well, you got to be careful. You know, weird things can happen when you're playing a team that's as good as Louisiana Tech. So UNT is going to have to be ready. But again, they pick up a big win and they should be prepared heading into next week. We're going to head down to the I-35 rivalry. UTSA 25, Texas State 21. This game was... (sighs) This game lived up to the hype. Let's put it that way. UTSA gets on the board, 14 early points. Uh, and then Willie Jones, the Texas State quarterback, goes out again. He went out last week. He came back in this week, but um, but goes out early. Tyler Vick comes in the game, the true freshman. And he's... Tyler Vick comes in the game, the true freshman. And, and he's... 
I don't know. Let's, let's call him inconsistent. He, he has a pair of touchdown passes, but he also has a pair of interceptions. A really nice third-quarter touchdown pass, 21 yards from Tyler Vitt to Keenan Brown. And that cut the lead to, to 17-14. But UTSA kept having consistent drives. Um, you know, they add a pair of field goals early in the fourth quarter. Texas State does get on the board, cuts the lead to 23-21. Texas State has an opportunity to drive down the field and score, but UTSA manages to force a safety to make it 25-21 and eventually put the game away. Um, For UTSA, it was running back Jalen Rhodes was really the leader on the day. 17 carries for 76 yards. Um, BJ Daniels also added 12 for 38, but, you know, not quite as impressive a day. They only averaged 3.5 yards per carry as a team. Cordell Grundy played good enough, but oof. he only averaged 3.6 yards per pass attempt and against any sort of, you know, I don't want to say decent opponent, but any, against any sort of decent opponent, 3.6 yards per, per pass attempt just really isn't going to cut it. Um, again, Vitt does play pretty well, 15 for 22, 192 yards, 8.7 yards per pass attempt, and, and, and again, two touchdowns, two interceptions. It's a decision-making thing. I mean, again, Tyler Vitt is a, is a true freshman, and, and he also had a rushing score as well, so it really is three touchdowns to two interceptions. But, I don't know, Texas State, when they can't get Willie Jones moving and, and when they can't have him running, their offense just does not look very good. You know, they just don't have very many things that they know that they can do. And, and what they can't do for absolute certain is run. They only had 25, or excuse me, 26 rushing yards on the day on 25 carries, and that does include sacks. But it's not like it's not like any of the running backs had very good games either. I mean, their leading rusher had 17 yards, and that was Robert Brown. So again, Texas State has a lot more questions than answers right now. Uh, UTSA picks up their first one of the season, but don't look particularly impressive doing it. But again, hey, it's a rivalry game, right? So. UTSA will have bragging rights for at least the next year over their San Marcos friends. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all there really is to say about this game, unfortunately. Uh, Only one game this weekend that involved an FCS opponent. Houston 70, Texas Southern 14. Uh, Again, I mean, we kind of said the only thing that could be interesting about this game is if Trendavian Dixon for Texas Southern does anything, and he did not. Remember, Trendavion Dixon was a one-time University of Houston player, but De'Eric King, 200 yards, three touchdowns. Freshman Clayton Toon got to come in and have two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 186 passing yards. Some good experience for him, of course, but, I mean, again, there's there's nothing really to say about this game. Uh, Houston went up 42-0 to zero at the half, and that was all she wrote. Texas Southern, uh, still not a very good FCS team at this point, and... Houston moves to three and one on the season, and uh, but again, FCS opponent. What what can we really take from that? Who knows? Rice goes on the road to Southern Miss, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They lose forty to twenty two. <laughs> I did pick Rice to win this game. I I will own up to that. They played a lot better early in the game. I mean, they were kind of hanging around. It was only seventeen fifteen with a couple minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, but then Rice's defense kind of collapses on itself, and uh, and Southern Miss is able to go on a huge, huge, huge twenty-three to zero run to take a forty to fifteen lead early in the fourth quarter, and Rice does get on the board again, cuts the lead to to eighteen. But 
yeah. <laughs> if you're a gambling man, uh, which I am not, but, you know, I did make some picks against the spread last week. If you're a gambling man, well, Rice was 14-point favorites. They lose by 18. Not quite enough. Um, Sean Stankovich, he kind of struggles uh, on the road against his first Conference USA opponent. He com- completes two touchdowns, but only 125 yards, two interceptions, 4.8 yards per pass attempt. Not not very good. <laughs> you know? I mean, and then Southern Miss is really good against a run, and Bryce was able to have a little bit of success. Uh, they averaged 4.7 yards per carry as a team, but 62 of those yards, of the 137 yards, come on a breakaway from Austin Walter. Emmanuel Asupa, the talented running back, only 18 carries for 37 yards. He can't get anything going against Southern Miss's defense. And Southern Miss is pretty good uh, you know, against, well, they've actually been a pretty solid defense across, actually. Um, you know, they haven't necessarily had a ton of opportunities to prove it, but they've been pretty solid. Uh, and Rice just can't get enough going against them. I mean, again, it's a young team. They weren't supposed to beat Southern Miss, but I'm a little disappointed with the efforts. But again, I mean, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen when you have a kind of inexperienced team. You know, it, it really is, you know, Rice is a team right now that's still trying to find its identity. Obviously, they hire... Uh, former Stanford offense coordinator Mike Bloomgren to be their head coach, but they're still trying to instill an identity. They're still trying to build their talent up. It's not going to get any easier next week going on the road against Wake Forest, a very, very underrated ACC opponent. Um, again, Rice is 1-3 and three on the season. This is their first loss of the season that isn't just a good loss. You know, it really is just a loss. <laughs> but Rice falls to 1-3. and three. Um, they have a bright future. I mean, they really do, but their present, eh, it's a little bit rough right now. And we're going to go ahead and finish off with what was officially a football game. <laughs> New Mexico State 27, UTEP 20. New Mexico State officially owns I-10, or I don't know. Is that what rivalries mean? I, I don't really know what it means, but... New Mexico State, they pick up their first one of the year. UTEP fails to. And look, UTEP, they just still can't do very much effectively offensively. I mean, they go down uh, they go down 17-10 to 10 at the half. I mean, they, they do make it 10-10 in the second quarter, but they go down 17-10 with only 37 seconds left in the half on a 55-yard fumble return. Again, think about that. If, if UTEP just hangs on to the football... That's the seven points right there. You know, that's the seven points. You can't make mistakes like that, especially when you're trying to win your first game of the season. Kai Loxley did complete 10 of 16 passes for 194 yards, but I will be honest, it gets a little bit less impressive when you realize that 76 of them and the touchdown were on one play. So Loxley's still struggling to kind of find his rhythm offensively. Um, he does have 194 passing yards he does have 64 rushing yards and another touchdown um but again utep just still doesn't have something that they can rely on offensively and that's probably their biggest issue right now right is that they don't know whether they can run the ball they sure as heck can't cast uh, pass the ball consistently and defensively they can't really stop a whole lot of anybody either new mexico state does average 4.6 yards per carry Christian Gibson for New Mexico State, 10 carries for 103 yards, including a 40-yard run. Um, Josh Adkins, the quarterback for New Mexico State, 
9 of 18, 156 yards and a touchdown. I mean, again, they just, UTEP doesn't have something that they can do with any level of consistency right now. Quadras Wadley did have a great game, 20 carries for 111 yards, but again, the path only gets tougher from here. I mean, New Mexico State is one of the worst teams that UTEP will play this season. I mean, really, the only other ones that you can really look at that are maybe in that same sort of range are like, again, you go on the road and play UTSA, you go on the road and play Rice. Those are kind of the two games that that UTEP kind of has to look at, and both of them are on the road. Both of them are away from the Sun Bowl. So this was your most winnable game at home. The losing streak, again, is down to 16 games, dating back to the beginning of the 2017 season. This is how long ago it was for UTEP. The last time they won a football game was in 2016, and they beat the University of North Texas in Seth Luttrell's first season. So it, it feels like it's been a lifetime since that happened. Um, again, UTEP doesn't get any easier from here. They fall to 0-4 on the season. Uh, again, it's not going to get any easier. <laughs> that's, that's all there really is to say about it. It's not going to get any easier. Anyway, we're going to finish out with talking about the Texas College Power Poll. As everyone may know, we run through every team in the state, all 12 FBS teams, and we rank them. We take into account their conference and, and their power, of course. But look, if you win then you deserve to be on top of this thing. And there is one undefeated team in the state of Texas, and they're still at the top of the College Power Bowl. It's the North Texas Mean Green. Like we mentioned, they win 47-7 this week against Liberty. They're still at the top. They have a, an absolutely flawless resume. I mean, they, there's literally nothing that they can do better. <laughs> they, they have a perfect res- resume right now. They're number one on the power poll. Number two, after their impressive performance this week, the Texas Longhorns. They're only a couple plays away from, you know, really bad plays, but a couple plays against Maryland away from really <laughs> being number one on this list and, and maybe being in contention for a whole lot of stuff that they're, you know, that are still maybe on the horizon, but they have a lot more to prove first. Again, they go on the road next week to Manhattan, Kansas against Kansas State, and then they play the Oklahoma Sooners in Dallas a week later. But Texas moves up to number two. They were number five last week, so hey. Not bad, Texas. Uh, We'll see whether they can continue it the next two weeks of the season. Number three, we've got Texas Tech. Same sort of deal. I mean, Texas Tech struggled against Ole Miss once McLean Carter went out because they threw a true freshman into the game. But since that true freshman has become uh, more comfortable, they've looked really dang good. Again, they beat Houston last week. They beat Oklahoma State on the road this week. Even in the second half against Ole Miss, Alan Bowman looked a whole lot more comfortable uh, they're the third. They're number three in our ranking right now. And, and again, things are subject to change, as we all know. But but Tech looks very impressive and picks up one of the bigger wins of the season by a Texas team this year, going on the road and winning in Stillwater. Number four, we've got TCU. TCU uh, again, picking between them and and our number five team, which I'm sure you guys can all guess, is kind of tough. I mean, you know, TCU played better and has played better in all of their games as a whole, I'd say, um, you know, and this other team obviously has sort of a signature performance in the loss, but TCU again, I mean, they're still fine. I mean, I mean, they really shouldn't have let what happened happen against Texas. Uh, they made a lot of critical mistakes. I don't know whether this is a TCU team that can really compete for the Big 12 if, if Sean Robinson is going to keep making these mistakes week after week, 
But they're a talented team. They're strong basically everywhere. They're still number four. Number five, the Texas A&M Aggies. They lose a tough game to Alabama. And, and I mean, again, this isn't about punishing them for losing to Clemson and losing to Alabama. But, um, I mean, again, they're 2-2. Two and two. They weren't competitive at all against number one Alabama. And, and a lot of teams on this list won't, but they played them, and they weren't. So, uh, Texas A&M comes in at number five. Houston comes in at number six. They have a bounce-back game against Texas Southern. But, again, I mean, they, they have... A couple of disappointing performances earlier in the year. They do go on the road and beat uh, beat Arizona. Sorry, no, they hosted Arizona. They they host Arizona at home. They demolish them. But again, I mean, the rest of their resume isn't very impressive right now. But they do sit at three and one. And other than losing to Texas Tech, who looks very good right now, and again, it's number three in our rankings right now. Uh, their resume looks pretty good. I mean, they look fine. Next on the the list is the Baylor Bears. Baylor, they looked fantastic for a half against Kansas and then totally took their foot off the gas um, and and looked like they did a week earlier against Duke. That's not going to cut it against better opponents. They have to play four quarters. They have to get used to playing four quarters. Um, They haven't done it as yet. So right now, they're sort of in that last in that group of, uh, of Power 5 teams. Plus, you know, we'll include Houston in that. Next up... The SMU Mustangs at number eight. They pick up their first one of the year, an impressive one over Navy. And again, Navy's not very good this year. We can acknowledge that. But SMU still picks up their first win over them in a very, very long time. Um, I don't know what the team's going to look like next week, whether they bring out Ben Hicks or William Brown. It's going to be real interesting to see what exactly Sandy Dykes decides to do. Number nine, we've got the UTSA Roadrunners. UTSA also picks up their first win of the season, beating Texas State. Now, I don't know exactly how impressive a victory that is, especially considering that it's by four, but it is a rivalry game. Texas State did stick around. UTSA was able to get something going offensively, but again, I mean, UTSA still lost in embarrassing fashion to three Power 5 teams, and and it was never really close against any of them. Uh, Now they kind of get into the the brunt of their schedule and again I don't really know what we learn from them playing in a rivalry game against a team that's probably worse than them they play UTEP next week at home and I don't know whether we learn anything from that either and this rise after that so we might not learn anything about this UTSA team until they play Louisiana Tech on October 13th so it'll be kind of one to watch but uh, they have two winnable games and they really need to pick up those wins one of those games is against our number 10 team the Rice Owls Rice I thought that they showed some really interesting signs the first couple weeks of the season. They didn't look like it this week against Southern Miss. And Southern Miss is a good team. I mean, again, Rice shouldn't be expected to beat Southern Miss, but they really struggled to get anything going offensively or defensively. Uh, They allow Southern Miss's quarterback to have a fantastic game. Uh, That's going to push them down to number 10. Number 11, the Texas State Bobcats. Texas State still looking for any signs of life, really, on offense. Um... Like we mentioned, I mean, when when they can't get Willie Jones running, they don't really do much of anything. That's what it comes down to. They just can't really do much of anything with any consistency. Tyler Vitt, again, showed some signs as a passer, but they really need something offensively. They really, really need a spark. And they don't really seem to have a player on their roster right now who's quite ready to, to give it as yet. Rounding out the top 12, 
the UTEP Miners. This should come as no shock to anybody. 16 straight losses, another tough loss to New Mexico State on Saturday, 27-20. They're in for a tough couple of weeks, maybe even more. Who really knows what the finish line is going to be for UTEP? Dana Dimmel really does have his work cut out for for him. Um, again, once UTEP gets to conference play, then maybe Kai Loxley is able to beat some guys just with his pure athleticism, but it hasn't happened yet. And again, they just don't have a whole lot that they can rely on on either offense or defense, so we'll have to, to wait and see. Anyway, everyone, thank you so much to listening for listening to this week's edition of the Republic of Football. Week 4 is in the books. It's getting real late outside. Uh, but again, we're coming live to you from Austin, Texas. We really appreciate everybody sticking with us. Um, this is so much fun to do. We really appreciate all of your feedback. I do want to give an apology to the Texas Longhorns, who last week I did snub. They have won one game, well, and of course not two. They're now 5-2 and two against TCU. I did say that they hadn't beaten them since, jo- since TCU joined the Big 12 in 2012. I was mistaken about that. I did want to apologize about that. And folks... Week four of the season is in the books. We'd like to give a quick thank you to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. What a fantastic slate of games. I mean, again, this this college football season is becoming very exciting, and there's so many intriguing teams in the state right now. We really appreciate every one of you for listening and for going to texasfootball.com and reading. You can follow me on Twitter at ShahanJRodra. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, if you like the show, please let us know. You know, Tweet at me. You can email me. My email is in my bio on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe on your preferred podcast app, You know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever is your favorite. Go on it. We are there. I don't know if we're on TuneIn, actually. I don't really know if that's a podcast app. I, I don't know. I, I kind of use it for the first time, actually, <laughs> while paying attention to the SMU game, but... Find us in your preferred podcast app. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate the feedback. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you guys once again on Wednesday.